Welcome to Marx's Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider. Or visit our website at www.socialist.net where you can donate and subscribe to our paper online and help support us in the struggle for socialism. We're going to be joined tonight uh, by Natasha Sorrell, uh, uh, an activist in Sheffield uh, of the National Education Union, who's going to be talking to us about the current standoff uh, that you are seeing between uh, the government and uh, the teaching unions over the question of schools reopening. So I'll bring in uh, Tash now. Hi there, Tash. Can you hear us all right? Hi, yeah, can do. Yeah, good to see you again. Um, I think the last time we spoke, it was just at the beginning of the lockdown, um, when, as an essential worker, we spoke to you about the conditions facing essential workers, uh, people who are being put into the firing line uh, at this time of the uh, the pandemic. And you raised a lot of important questions then about the, the kind of health and safety of workers, of workplaces. And now, fast forward a couple of months, again, it's yourself and teachers who are being put in the firing line as uh, the Tories talk about reopening the schools. So can you just explain to us a bit about what's been taking place over the last week uh, in these uh, negotiations, if you can call it that, between the government and the unions about the reopening of schools? Yeah, of course. So um, this kind of all started last um, Sunday with Boris Johnson's announcement of the measures that were going to be used to ease lockdown or the things that were going to be brought into place. Um, and one of those things was, of course, the opening of, of schools up a little bit. Now, schools, as we know, have always, already been open this whole time, um, educating the children of key workers and the most vulnerable, but also teachers that have been working from home completely nonstop this entire time. Um, so now the discussion is around um, what the government would like to see, and that is year reception, year one, year two, year six in primary, going back from the 1st of June. Um, and they've also said that they want year 10 and year 12 to have some face time before the summer ends, so in the next term that's opening up. Um, and I think, you know, last time one of the things that we were talking about was the complete lack of planning and um, sort of forethought that had gone into this. I think it's quite safe to say that the same thing is happening this time with the reopening of schools where they've just announced um, that schools need to be back open from the 1st of June. Um, I mean, they announced that on the Sunday and then, you know, it wasn't until the next couple of days that the documents started to come out with a little bit more detail. And even that's not in any way sufficient. And so a lot of the negotiations, if, as you say, if you can call them that, that have been happening this week between the unions and the government have been about um, trying to set out safety measures, what, what could realistically be done to ensure that going back into the workplace is safe for staff, but also so that it's safe for children to go back into schools. Um, and also there's, you know, part of this has been demanding that actually the scientific papers are released that show that it is safe. I think a really important message to make is that teachers want to go back to school. We're not saying we don't want to go back. Um, we want to go back when it is safe. And in order for us to do that, um, we need to see the scientific proof that, that something has changed, that it is that it is safe to go back. Now, all along, the union have had um, these five tests that needs to be met before we can even consider reopening um, the schools more broadly. Um, and on top of those five tests, we've said that it has to be based on a conversation rooted in science and those things just aren't being provided for the government. Um, in fact, they've not actually released um, a scientific paper from their 
um, Sage Group for, for nearly a month now. They've just stopped publishing any information on this. So there's a kind of belligerence on the side of the government to engage on a, on a proper sound basis um, and, that's and ignoring... That. Just, yes. to, just to go on from that, what, what do you think is causing this belligerent attitude on the government's part? Why, why are they so uh, you know, adamant that this, this step has to be taken? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's really important to, to ask that question, because I think this bulldozing through that they're using is not based on the fact that they care about pupils or they, they really want education to go back um, to how it was and to get these pupils back into schools. It's solely based around the idea um, of getting different leaves of the economy going again. And I think that can be seen through the year groups that have been targeted to go back, you know, reception year one, year two. Um, whilst those are important formative years for pupils, actually we're looking at the youngest age groups here, which to me um, and to a lot of people suggest this idea that it's it's to get the younger pupils back in so that parents can, can return to work. Um, and that seems to be the thrust of the entire lifting of the lockdown. It's not about the safety of workers in any way. It's about how can we get certain parts of the workforce back into work and get the economy going again regardless of whether human being lives or you know human lives sorry are going to be uh, lost in the process of this regardless of whether um infection rates are down enough to stop this from being spread like they, do, they don't seem to have any concern um for workers health and benefits here and i think the fact that they're refusing to release this scientific evidence or they've said that they're going to but there's no specific date for it is a, is a key indicator of that um of that kind of lack of real engagement it's just a cover isn't it i think and and also the belligerence is mainly a Tory thing, right? Because uh, as, am I right in thinking this is only in England that we're talking about here? The, the Welsh and Scottish regional governments have got different plans. Yeah, absolutely. They've said that um, pupils are not going to be going back on the 1st of June. Um, in all likelihood, it won't be till September. Um, you know, that's something that's been followed by um, a few of the European countries, Italy in particular. Um, and I think that this is obviously a Tory um, policy and that's why they're able to implement it in England and it clearly shows you the sort of side that they stand on the side of big business of wanting to get people back into um, into work and not thinking about the impact that that has on, on people's lives because of course that's not the priority to them it's the continuation of, of business and profit making as usual. But then we see the complete hypocrisy because as as you say in your article it, the Etonian uh, school children aren't going to be going back till September so Boris Johnson's yeah. uh, old school doesn't have to worry about it. No, it's an absolute outrage. You know, what, as we always see, one rule for the rich, one rule for everybody else. Uh, a lot of private schools are not going to be going back until September. Um, and so if it's OK for them not to be going back and it's not safe for them to be going back, I don't see why it's therefore safe for working class children to be going back. And actually, you know, a point that needs to be raised here is the fact that um, we've seen, we've already seen double the rates, uh, double the death rate in the, the more deprived areas. You know, these are communities that are being made to go back to schools in areas where families are worst affected by um, the, out, the virus outbreak, um, where you're going to have more and more parents going back into different types of work, like shop work. Everyone's going to be encountering a lot more people. Um, and this virus is just going to spread um, very rapidly through these communities again. And I think that, you know, that it doesn't take a lot to think about that and to understand that and to know that it's working mm. class lives that are being put on the line here, um, mm. not the lives of the rich. And, and you're, you're saying the union then is, is rightly, obviously, um, uh, demanding the evidence before schools can reopen and, uh, and, and trying to resist this hasty reopening of schools that put uh, teachers and pupils alike at risk. 
how has uh, the, the the Tory government and and the kind of right wing press responded then to the unions? There was obviously this famous uh, headline in the Daily Mail last Friday, um, you know, and it seems like there's a slanderous campaign being run now against the unions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's what you would expect, to be quite honest, though. You know, you've got the, the Tory ministers on the one hand saying you don't care about children if you if you're not going to work towards them going back to school. Um, and then, of course, them hand in hand with um, newspaper headlines saying let teachers be heroes and let teachers teach like we want to teach. That is exactly what we're saying on a safe basis. Um, and so there's this real outpouring of, of bile basically against the teachers and against the unions that was some kind of radical left um, awful group of people trying to derail the education of the poorest in society and it's an it's, it's an absolute scandal really it's vile well, it's not a scandal because it's what you would expect isn't it um to try and shame workers into going back to try and put the pressure and the blame on teachers um for the the gap uh, between the education of the the most privileged and the least privileged which let's be honest the tories caused in the first place um mm, through their measure mm. of austerity um of course it's not them alone they're not completely responsible for the failings of capitalism although they take a large hand in that. Um, and so, yeah, this is this has been the attitude um, of the press, but it, it, it completely rankles with the reality of, of not just teaching staff, but parents as well. You know, mm. there's, a, there's a huge amount of people with, with a large amount of anxiety and desire not to send their kids back to school, people who can see that actually it isn't safe and it is really just an arbitrary decision to be like, oh, it's suddenly safe again. Uh, so I think people, people are kind of seeing through um, what the media is saying um, and what the government is saying and through this idea that it's like you're anti, anti-children's education if you're trying to campaign for safety. Actually, it's the exact opposite of that, isn't it? Mm. And, and do you sense as a teacher that you have parent support behind you, that, uh, that parents and teachers are aligned on this one in terms of trying to protect the health and safety of staff and students? Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, just anecdotally, absolutely. But also the NEU did a survey of parents um, in the last week where over 80% said that they didn't want their um, children to go back until it was safe. So I think there is there is a lot of support from um, parents and the public in general for their schools only reopening when it is safe. Um, and I think that's an important thing because this, again, just points the finger at the government making this decision not on the basis of what people want or what's right for them or what they can see as correct in their communities, but on their own agenda. Um, I think that's being you know, brought forward in this. And what about wider support in the public? Do you see any uh, unions, other unions? Do you see the Labour movement coming out in support of teachers? Um, and in particular, what has the Labour Party been saying on this question? Um, yeah, there has been some support and there's been, I think, you know, there's there's lots, it's not just teachers that are um, working in schools, there's lots of other types of workers there. So GMB and Unison have been involved in um, the discussions, there's been some joint um, advice and movement on that, but I think this needs to be a big central point, um, a central point of campaigning around for all unions because teachers going back to work in this way and being sort of forced in before it's safe is just the first um, line of workers that are going to experience this and it's going to affect all workers who are already back at work as well you know just as an example bus drivers and transport workers by having huge increased numbers of people going back to work are going to face um, greater risk in their jobs and the, the, you know teachers are only once part of the sector as soon as we're back and parents are kind of freed up from childcare and home education duties different parts of the workforce are going to be required to go back under this idea that it is safe to do so um, so really, there needs to be as much solidarity as possible and joint action on, um, you know, challenging the government on this. Um, 
and the Labour Party. Sorry, I was just trying to remember the second part of your question. Um, yeah, I mean, the Labour Party has been a real mixed bag. So you've got the likes of Rebecca Long-Bailey, who's come out um, and said that she supports the teachers union and it's really important and said, you know, we have to demand safety measures before we can go back to work. Um, you've got others sort of saying, yes, well, we need to wait until we've seen the science. Um, like Rachel Reeves, for example, who, you know, not taking a particularly strong stance on this that you would, I, I would expect from a Labour leadership for them mm. to be saying, no, we're 100% behind the unions, we back the workers who know the situation in schools, who know how it can be made to be safe. I think a stronger um, sentiment should be, or not even sentiment, I think a stronger action should be coming from the Labour Party. Mm. And then, of course, with you've got the sort of um, Blairite grandees um, like David Blunkett, who's been saying that he, it, it, again, backing the government completely, to mm. quote him specifically, he said it's against the interests of children for unions and teachers to be working in the way that we are doing. Um, yeah. And it's, it's absolutely disgusting to hear a, a, a Labour Party member um, saying that teachers, in trying to ensure the safety of, of themselves and other workers and the children in their care, are acting against the interests of children. They're just lining up behind big business in the same way that the government have. Um, and I think we absolutely need to call out that kind of attitude because it is not in the interest of ordinary people. It's not in the interest of workers and it certainly isn't in the interest of um, children and education. Definitely, definitely. And this is something we discussed on uh, last week's episode as well when we talked to Ben Curry of the Socialist Appeal Editorial Board about Boris Johnson's announcement. And one of the things Ben was pointing out was the fact that, yeah, the Labour Party has been incredibly equivocal on all of these questions, you know, under Keir Starmer, it's moved very quickly to the right. And on all of these things, one thing after another, on the question of Kashmir, for example, on the question of renters and landlords, they've quickly taken the side of the landlords over the renters. And now, as you say, they're in this uh, position where it seems like, well, what it is, you've got two opposed, you know, completely opposed interests, completely uh, you know, antagonistic uh, interests in terms of workers and students and parents on one side who want health and safety. And then on the other side, you've got the bosses and the Tories pushing to reopen the economy. And the Labour leadership is kind of wavering between the two. But on every other question so far, it seems to side with the bosses and the Tories. So, I mean, as a Labour member, which I, yeah, I believe you're a Labour member up in Sheffield, how do you feel about the, the current Labour leadership on all these sort of questions? It's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. At a time of crisis like this, where we need to be protecting workers more than ever, um, especially against the interests of big business, which, as you say, is completely opposed, we need strong leadership. We need them to be standing up for working people and saying, right, this is how we're going to organise. We're not going to go into this workplace. We should be striking on this. Um, I mean, this is this has been a, this has been needed for for months now. We you know um, we talk about the ASOS workers and the people who've been working in. Um, you know, warehouses for this entire time? Where were the Labour Party standing up for those kind of people who have been working in unnecessary jobs all of this time? Where is the leadership standing up for ordinary people and helping us to organise for ourselves and make the decision of what we know is safe in our workplaces? Because that's what's needed here, isn't it? You know, we can't have government who, are, who have teaching, for example, and education have no experience. They're not been in classrooms they're not organized in the way that we are they don't know what it's like on the ground in the in the classrooms and what it takes for it to be safe in there they're making all of these decisions about the future and and how it's going to be safe for us with absolutely no real understanding and it's the same for every single workplace that they're looking at mm. um i mean we need strong leadership um from the labor party or uh, within the unions to stand up and say actually we demand that 
the workers are the people who have a say on this. They should be consulted at every single step of the way because mm. they're the only ones who can honestly say whether it's safe or not in the uh, possession of the scientific evidence to back up what they, you know, the decisions that they make and things. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, not I'm not impressed at all um, with the Labour leadership, as you can now tell. Um, I think a lot more could be being done and should be and, and needs to happen um, to challenge the government in particular, but also to support ordinary workers in 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 all of their workplaces. And and you've seen that the TUC again, like the Labour leadership, have also been very kind of equivocal and been under pressure from workers on one side but a lot of their opposition is just to kind of demand a seat at the table they don't actually threaten to use action they don't threaten to to strike or to demand actual workers control in workplaces so how do how do you think the uh, the NEU leadership compares to that um have they been coming out more militantly have they been uh you know organizing and preparing teachers to actually uh, take action if necessary I mean, yeah, to an extent, there's been a lot, there've been a lot more militants, um, I think, not completely, um, you know, there's no talk of um, completely taking strike action or something against this, but we have had emails and correspondence where they're talking about um, sort of not returning to work, um, but not on a concrete basis and, and not raising that, lab, that question, like you say, of workers' control of their schools. Um, and I think, um, you know, it's obviously a difficult question because there's all the different types of um, schools as well to try and coordinate. And then there's the question of different unions being present in the same workplaces. So all of these problems that are kind of thrown up um, that need resolving. But I think as well, there's, there's sort of, um, and I think this is something that's being discussed more broadly across the, the workers' movement, not, just, not necessarily from the tops, but like this idea of Section 44 from the um, Employment Act about workers taking action into their own hands. Um, and refusing to go to work if they can see that it is unsafe and, and saying so. So I think, you know, maybe that's something that's being driven slightly more from a grassroots perspective, but that's also a nuclear option because I think there is still hope that they can um, discuss with the government and come to an agreement. And there has been a lot of push from the union, um, from the top of the union to have these discussions. Um, you know, there the were a meeting on Friday where this was discussed and there's up and coming meetings. And I think there's going to be another review of the policy on, on the 28th or 29th of May um, with sort of union pushing and union involvement. And I think one of the other things that they've been organising is um, they've been very good at organising parent support as well and sending letters to councillors and MPs to put pressure on. And so just building that solidarity and pressure, I think, has been an important role that the union have played. Um, but when it comes down to it, the real question needs to be, if the government are going to press ahead with this and force people back into working in safe conditions, are we going to take a stand on that? Are we going to refuse to go into those workplaces? And is that going to be organised on a national basis rather than left to um, you know, localities or individual cases and things? Um, because this is something that we absolutely should be taking a, a stand on as workers and we absolutely need to be. Um, if, if necessary, taking strike action and putting the safety of pupils and, and you know the working class in general at the heart of any of any action that we take. Um, and, and you yeah. mentioned there also certain areas kind of unilaterally deciding not to implement this government policy. I, th I believe uh, La Labour's mayor in Liverpool, Joe Anderson, is is such an example. He said he's not going to reopen schools in Liverpool on the 1st of June. And uh, in your article, you also mentioned a lot of other councils, some of them Labour-led, some of them uh, not Labour-led, actually, going uh, mm. along the same lines. So is this something that Labour members more widely and the Labour movement widely can also do, which is put pressure on the councils to come out in opposition to the Tory government? 
Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's a really interesting point about um, the Labour mayor um, basically just saying, absolutely not, we're not going to go along with the line of the government, we're not going to open up our schools. And like you say, um, some Labour-led councils, uh, Wigan and Rochdale, for example, um, have come out and said that they're not going to open um, and sort of doing it on a, you know, like we said, a local basis. Um, some that are, are not, not Labour at all, Hartlepool um, is one such example. So some councils are um, making this decision for themselves. And I think if Labour members and, and general, well, anybody um, wants to help put the pressure on, then definitely writing to the local councils is, is um, an important step and to MPs more generally to raise this um, in Parliament and just to raise the amount of um, concern that people have around this. Because I think one thing that, the review if, if this review is going to definitely happen on the 28th um in favor of not opening the schools could be you know it could be leading to a u-turn um if there's enough public pressure and i think as we saw at the start of lockdown where people stopped going to events and started to kind of isolate for themselves we could see a situation of parents really voting with their feet and refusing to send their children to school there's been a lot of talk about that already um, and so that's one thing that could also delay the openings of the schools is, is individuals taking action and of course that's important but we need coordinated action on this um, because you know whilst some areas like Liverpool are being really progressive in this area others won't be and there are already academy chains across the country saying we're going to open regardless and um, Oasis is one such where they're saying we're back open, we're going to do it, whether it's safe or not. And of course, they're trying to say that it is safe and they will say that it is safe. But um, nationally, the picture is, is absolutely that it is not, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and we've actually had a couple of comments uh, in the uh, in the comment thread saying exactly what you were saying earlier about the complete hypocrisy and, inad- you know, in the inequality that this shows as well of the fact that the private schools and the Eton's of this world will not be going back, you know, as you said before, one one rule for the rich and, and another for the rest. But just to end for tonight, can you explain then a bit more, discuss what should the, the Labour movement be fighting for really going forwards? Because as you say, this is really the tip of the iceberg. What we're seeing with schools right now is going to be the same struggle that every other sector of workers is going to face as the as the Tories, as big business pressures uh, workers to go back to work and and tries to put workers more and more in the firing line. You're going to see lots of workers being demonised, as you, as you said before. It's 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 the Tory norm to demonise unions and to demonise those who strike and anyone who stands in the way of profit making. And obviously, this is going to affect everyone eventually. Uh, so how should the Labour movement be responding? What should what demands should the TUC be calling for in relation to workplaces and lifting the lockdown? Well, I think the main call 100% needs to be for workers to be in control of their workplaces and to be making these decisions with scientific evidence in their hands um, to be able to say whether they think it is safe or not to go back to work. And that goes beyond just um you know lockdown this raises questions of the fact that people are making decisions generally about workplaces for workers in every single sector that do not put their interests at heart and that aren't um that aren't realistic or um you know important things to be putting forward like decision important decisions to be being made sorry because workers are the people in their own workplaces who understand the workplace better than anybody else and so it's 
it's ludicrous that anyone else should make a decision about it. So a key demand has to be for workers to have control over their workplaces and control over the, the decisions that affect them in going back to work and what happens when they're there and the safety measures that are put in place. Um, so I think that absolutely has to be something that we're fighting for. And we need strong union leadership um, to be to be putting that forward and to be saying we should be the ones that decide when lockdowns lifted, not the government with their arbitrary ideas and their arbitrary sort of motions and saying, well, you know, sometime before the end of summer, sometime before the end of June, that's, that's not based on any um, lowering of infection rates or, um, you know, increased testing, like these things are not in place. And so it has to be workers that are at the forefront of that struggle and that are saying, this is what we understand to be the best thing to do. And this is this is what we want to happen and, and implementing that for themselves. Um, and then finally, we obviously need um, strong, we, we need, as I was saying earlier, we need stronger leadership from the Labour party and the labor movement more generally um, on this question to unite um, all of these struggles together because that's the thing isn't it these all of these struggles that we're talking about have in common um, the one thing that is about the safety of workers and, and, and workers control and they need strong leadership um, moving forward to coordinate that because otherwise we're just fighting individual struggles on our own and, and like you said a minute ago you know individual strands of the workforce are going to continually be demonized and um, put under under threat and pressure and, and at the end of it it's not the rich that are going to be the ones most affected by um, a, a second outbreak or a, a second wave um, they're, they're completely protected they don't need to go back to schools they don't need to be at work these bosses are making these decisions without even being in schools or without being in the workplace mm. they're making decisions about other people that they don't have to deal with or face um, and so you know it comes back as well as the strong leadership it comes back to that central question that workers need control over this um, and there is nothing else that can that can sidestep that really, that absolutely needs to happen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marx's Voice. You can subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, or any major podcast provider, or visit our website at www.socialist.net. And if you're able to, Please donate or subscribe online and help support us in the struggle for socialism.